Welcome to My Life, Chassidus Applied, episode 307. We're, yes, still amidst this unprecedented disruption, global disruption, with uh, many casualties. Hopefully, we're over the worst. God should send that a Shlema, complete healing and recovery to all those in need and protect everyone let us already finally end this magefa, this epidemic, this pandemic, and only come out stronger for it. So this program is dedicated to all, to all Jews, to all people, wherever they may be, for complete healing and recovery and complete protection. Chassidus Applied, that's the name of this program. My Life Chassidus Applied. Applying Teda and Chassidus to the issues that we all struggle with. Because at the end of the day, Torah is Melosh and I should say at the beginning of the day. It's always that way. Torah comes from the word directive, guidance. It's a blueprint. And when more do we need a blueprint? We always need a blueprint. In this dark world, like dark roads, you need a headlights. You need a lamp, a lighthouse to shine, illuminate the way and how much more so, when do we need it most? In times when there's uncertainty, unknown, and we don't know what lies ahead. But we do know this, that God created the world. God runs it. He has his mysterious plan. There's a choreography. And everything is always for the good. We pray and hope that that good should be revealed on our terms and revealed quickly. So over the past, I would say, almost two months, We've been dedicating this program to the challenges that we're all facing right now. I literally have hundreds. I probably have, I would say, five, six hundred questions that I have not addressed pre-corona and hundreds of questions that have come in almost on a weekly basis addressing these issues. But it's not just specifically around the pandemic. It's around our attitude. It's around how the effect it's having on us. The fears, the uncertainties, the demoralization, how to tell our children. There's so many topics. So we've created a special section at meaningfullife.com slash corona where you can find all the resources that we built and literally being added every day more material. I must have spoken at least 30, 40 times in the last few weeks. And it's all posted there as well as at chassidahsupply.com. And this is to students to uh, people in recovery, to parents, to uh, people of all walks of life, different communities, the California community, I've spoken to the South African community, South American, Israeli community, you'll find very, uh, very diverse offerings there, and please make use of it. That's the purpose of it all. We've also created the Daily Spiritual Antidote, a daily three-minute video that is also a podcast, you can find on all the platforms, meant to be exactly as its name suggests, that for all the negative news, we counter, the counter-offensive, the antivirus, is to address the emotional, psychological, and spiritual needs to bolster and boost our inner selves. The more the outer world is disrupted, the more strength we need from within. And the program, My Life Citizen Applied, has been dedicated to themes around these issues, which really touch upon themes of the general human condition as we face challenges. So I have a whole new bunch of questions that came in. I still have many that from the previous weeks, and we'll try to cover as many as possible. Please do not hesitate. Even if I don't cover it one week, I will address it next week. It's just difficult in an hour, hour, 10 minutes to really cover them all. But more than ever, these questions are precious. They're necessary. It's important to express yourself. It's important to be able to feel the license, the freedom to be able to express whatever it is that's on your mind or heart. And as we know, as those who have listened to this program, there are no taboos. Nothing is off limits. Everything will be, everything will be addressed because that's the whole point that Torah Chassidus applied addresses our issues, even those that others don't want to talk about either because it's uncomfortable or whatever the reason may be, controversial, provocative. So please do not hesitate and submit your questions at, at chassidusapply.com. 
There you can see right away a forum where you can submit a completely anonymous question as well as comments. You find there are also archives of all previous episodes. And answering to the question, I repeat again to those that have asked, many, many have asked, where can they find more material? Just go to one of those two sites, chassidahsupply.com or meaningfullife.com. And there's a special section, very easy to find, with a whole series of programs. And just to give a little taste of some of the programs I just did this past week, I did a program this, this week, early, this past week I did a program called Post-Synagogue Judaism, being that we're now all quarantined and I can't go to a minyan, I can't daven. What does that mean? What is Judaism? Is Judaism, what is Judaism without a synagogue, without a rabbi, without a Beis Amigdash? It's a very important question. Can you find God in your house? I've also done a program that is obviously a very provocative one, but also a very important one. I've also done a program for students, for children, eighth graders, answering their questions and addressing this time, the confusion that many of them have, as well as other programs that are all addressing relevant issues. This coming week, I'm going to be doing something uh, what's called Can You Be Alone? as well as other topics. And you can easily find them all on our program schedule at MeaningfulLife.com. Last week, another program I should mention that I would like to mention would be the one we did was... um, uh, uh, It just slipped my mind. Come to me in a moment. It'll come to me. In a oh, what to te- te- teach our children? How raising children in times of uncertainty? What to teach our sons and daughters? It's called basically a leader program. Using the word leader, L-E-A-D-E-R, six principles, methodologies to convey to our children. And this is a unique opportunity that will serve them the rest of their lives. How to deal with adversity? Okay, and again, you can just go there and find all these programs. So. Let me begin with um, a question that uh, has come in, a number of questions that have come in the same name. Perhaps we should not be calling the virus by its name. Similar to the common practice of saying yenamachle for other terrible diseases. Say yenamachle because it's so terrible we don't want to call it by name. Now, the Rebbe's attitude, of course, was always a positive one. The Rebbe is the one that insisted we should call not hospitals not Beit Chalim, homes for the sick, but Beit Rafim, a home for the healers or the healing. Beit Rafua. When the, 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 the handicapped Israeli soldiers came to see the Rebbe in Tavshin Lamed Vov in the summer, the Rebbe suggested, he said, a Jew always suggests, even though he's not asked, that instead of calling them Nache Yisrael, which means the wounded or the handicapped, they call them Mitsuyon Yisrael, the special, the extraordinary. And this wasn't just an expression like special children. It actually meant to focus on the positive. So there's no question that the Rebbe's emphasis, generally speaking, was not to mention a machla by name, and a disease by name. The reason I do, and we have it also on our site, and we've actually discussed it a number of times, is because at times you need to identify what you're addressing. There's a famous kasicha from the Rebbe in Chelik Yud, Lukut Noyach. Famous word of the Baal Shemta, that everything is a mirror. That's the sicha. So he brings there that the Torah goes out of its way not to call an animal impure. That's how Torah does never wants to say a negative word. It says, Eina Tahir. It doesn't say Tmeya. Ikamakosav, the Torah will go and add extra words just not to insult even an animal. But there's an exception. When it comes to halacha, when you have to be clear and say what, exactly what is the psak, what are we supposed to do, you can't say it in vague terms, you can't say it just to, be, just to be politically correct or safe. So generally, yes, a positive attitude, but when it comes to a psak, people need to know exactly the clarity. And the tater then will say, tohir tome, pure, impure. So I felt there could be disagreement about it, that while we're amidst it, to just completely, people will not always know what you're talking about. So though we have used words like empowering resources in challenging times, people understand what that means, but there are times that we've used it. I'm not being defensive or justifying it. So you could argue that you go to a doctor, you can't just say, I have something. It's important to spell what it is, especially when we're offering resources and people may not know exactly what this article or what this video is. So I'm not defending. I, I still believe that we should avoid using it, but to distinguish it from other things, and especially in this time when the 
pandemic is still raging, we need to be clear. So the spirit of it, I, I totally agree with. It's a matter of question of more of a technicality, not the spirit, obviously. So, but thank you for that comment. Now, let's begin. Well, I began already, but let's, since we're talking, we always talk about the time period. Pesach Sheni is this week, later in the week. And next Pasha, the Pasha's this week, was Emer that we'll be reading Shabbos, Pasha's Emer. So we always are looking to find connections. So Pesach Sheni, I think it's quite obvious, especially in the spirit of Ir. We spoke about Ir being Ani Hashem Refecho, the acronym of I, God, am your healer, and a healing that is retroactive. So what's the story of Pesach Sheni? Pesach Sheni, in the Pesach, in Pa'al the Jewish people came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, some of us were unable to bring the Pesach Rishon, which means when they left Egypt, right that night, they were supposed to bring a Korban Pesach. But there was a condition. The condition is that if you're a Bederech Recheiko, or Tomei, meaning you're distant from the Beis Amigdash, or distant from the community where you're supposed to bring, where, the, where you're allowed to bring the Korban, the Mishkan, which was the portable sanctuary, was they, that's where they, if you're distant from, or Tomei, you're not pure, so you can't go to the, into the mish, near, near the Mishkan. So they said, what should we do? So in most cases, you'd say, okay, too late. Over Zmane, Bottle Karboni, the time has passed. So a mitzvah that's connected to a particular time, like Pesach, connected to the 15th of Nisan, passed and passed. There are mitzvahs that are not connected to a particular time. But in this case, they came and they said, Why should we be discriminated against? Why should we be less? Why should we be inferior? Negara means, why should we miss out? So Moshe goes to Hashem. And Hashem, responding to the cry of the people, so sincere, they wanted to bring a Karm Pesach, give them another mitzvah, a Pesach Sheni. That a month later, in the month of Ir, on the 15th of Ir, 14th of Ir, they can bring a Pesach Sheni in place of the Pesach Sheni. Obviously, it's not the same way. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, Isser Chometz, not allowed to have Chometz and other conditions, but it will be considered for the Makar and Pesach. Comes the Friedrich Rebbe in a famous Sikh in Tavshin Aleph, 1941. And cited now in Ayem on the 14th of Nisan, Pesach Sheni. And what does he say? That the Vart is, what do we learn from this? Ashin Farfal. That even when you miss an opportunity, nothing is lost. You can always regain. So, so even if a person finds himself distant, distant from holiness, or tame, impure, they always have a second chance to bring a Pesach Sheni. Thinking about it, let's apply that to now. We are all in some ways B'derech Recheka. We've been forced and compelled to stay at home. We can't go to our which is the microcosm of the We're distant from it. Physical distance, spiritually distant. Can't go. And Tomei, what's the word for Tomei? Tomei people translate impure. It's really toxic. It's a spiritual toxin. Why is something impure? Not impure, it's dirty and you wash it off in a bathtub or in a shower or in a sink. It's a spiritual impurity as the Rambam explains what Tomei is. Something a person does or behaves or came in contact with that creates a toxin. And that toxin, what is a virus? What is a, an epidemic, a pandemic? It's a toxin. It evolves from spiritual toxins, as we've discussed in previous episodes. Tells us Pesach Sheni that even if you're in a situation where you may be distant from the Mishkan or the Beis Amigdash, even if you're impure, you've been toxic, you, you, the toxin has entered. You've been contaminated, infected. You, you still can bring a Pesach Sheni. And in some ways, it's deeper because it came from the cry. So our sincere outcry and outpouring of davening, of prayers, and says, Hashem, it says, God, save us, help us, stands us well. Why? Because that's what Pesach Sheni teaches us. And of course it's fitting, because in the first month of Nisan, that was the Geula, Hashem himself came and redeemed us. Second month of Ir is already a month where 
there are challenges. There can be an illness. And yet we're told, You cry out. You call out and you can elicit a second chance. And that's what we should be doing. Parshish Emir has, of course, the mitzvah of Svirus Emir, which is the mitzvah of this month, the counting. What is the Svirus Emir? So there's different reasons given. The first thing is the counting of the Emir. We start the second day of Pesach, the Mochus HaShabbos. But it's also, as the Ran writes, the end of Psachim, Sech Psachim, that it was a yearning. The Jews were counting down. They were told there's 50 days, 50 days from when they leave Egypt. They're going to receive the Torah at Sinai. So they counted down the 49 days. It's like when something is really anticipating, an exciting event, you count. Can't wait. It's a gaguyim. The Rebbe in some classic sikhs, just an example um, in uh, the Asara Betevis Tov Shemem Dalad, Tov Shemem Dalad, a little also Tu Bishvat Tov when he spoke and cried about why, why does the Golas continue to drag on? How vifil zashir, how long, Admosai. Cry that we're all crying out now. And the Rebbe said, why? Why would it continue on? The Rebbe says, the only way you can explain it is because God wants us to cry with an emes, to demand with an emes. And you can't cry with an emes if there's even a glimmer of hope. There has to be a concealment. The Rebbe says, maybe that's the only explanation. Even that the Rebbe was not satisfied with. But that's how he concluded with that topic. Here, after Gimel Tamas, we're crying. The Rebbe physically is not here. And now who needed this? But now this is causing us to cry out. What do we need this for? Taking some of our best fine Jews, affecting so many of us, disrupting our lives. When, who needed it? But what it does is, it does causes us to not take for granted our lives and to cry out. So both Sfira Seyman and Pesach Sheni have an element of Mamata Lamaila. We're doing our effort, yearning, beseeching, crying out to God. And a father listens. When a child cries to a parent, a father, especially a vinashu b'shamayim, it's nichmur achamov, it should cause him to find compassion. A parent starts crying for a child that's in need. We're not forsaken, we're not given up on. So hopefully Hashem, well, we know Hashem has heard, hopefully Hashem will finally respond. Maybe he's already responding. We have to do our part, both in our prayers and our tefillahs and crying out, and also be careful and listen to the guidelines that the Teda tells us to follow what medical authorities say. But at the same time, what that stops us from sitting in our homes and our families, and yes, sincerely saying this is enough is enough. Don't ever estimate, underestimate it. Pesach Sheni and Sri Seyma teach us that a human cry, Jewish cry, pierces heavens and can change destiny, which is exactly what we want to happen. And say we've learned our lesson, we have woken up, and we will understand not to take life for granted, be complacent, and truly create the revolution that's required to finally usher in the Gula Hamitis Vashlema. So now let's go to a few more specific questions. I will do some cross-referencing, which I often do to Pesach Sheni and Emer. This is previous episodes where this, where this topic was discussed. Some of, uh, some of you will always want to know where else was discussed more at length. So I'll give you episodes 115, 161, 211, 260, and 261. Next question. After a long day committed to my children, is it wrong for me to be happy, quote-unquote, that my kids are going to sleep and I will have some quiet time. Let me read out the question in the fullest sense of the word. I am a mother of young children. And as you know, we have been home for almost six weeks already. Yeah, we sure know. We all know. Our days are busy, filled with Zoom classes. Shout out to the teachers. Exclamation point. And games and activities we do together. Usually I try to be patient and genuinely spending time with my kids. However, by bedtime, my patience wears thin. As soon as the kids are asleep, my whole mood changes and I am so happy and relieved. I can't help, feel, I can't help feeling guilty about it. 
I feel like it's wrong for me to be happy that my kids are asleep, but now I will have quiet. Is this a correct approach? I would like to take this opportunity to thank you, Rabbi Jacobson, for your wonderful work. This weekly Hasidus Applied has helped me so many times in many different areas. May Hashem give you the strength to continue doing your amazing shlichus. Thanks again. Okay. Let's, first of all, not be hard on ourselves. At all times, especially now. I mean, when I read this, I hear the opposite. I hear what kind of good mother you are. Dedicated to your children. A shout out to teachers. Acknowledging them. Not sitting bitter and angry and frustrated. You're there for your children. What do you, now comes the time for your children to go to sleep. It's good for them to go to sleep. And it's good that you were able to recharge your batteries and have some quiet. To be happy? You're happy with your children. And you're happy when Hashem says, now the children go to sleep and you have time to refresh. Why do we go to sleep in the first place? Sleep is God's gift to us to refresh, to come anew. In the morning you wake up, a new day, refreshed, a new soul. My soul is a new, re- a new renewal of our soul's contract with God. So there's no reason to feel guilty. There's no reason to feel negative on the, quite the contrary. You need the strength, so tomorrow you can be strong and upbeat and do what you have to do for your children. I think it's important to remember that guilt and all these negative feelings that are demoralizing are coming from the Yetzirah. They come from the negative side, the left side, as the Alter Rebbe says in time. So you can pat yourself in the back for what you're doing, especially under these circumstances. Thank God. And there's nothing wrong to have your, spy, your own space at night. I'll go a step further. Even by day, I would recommend that parents take a little time out. Just like children can't sit by the screen all the time. Everybody needs a little space. Say time out doesn't mean you're neglecting, God forbid. It's like a space. Hashem gave space for Moshe Rabbeinu ben Parsha la Parsha. Because we are human beings and we need to absorb and we need to pace ourselves. And if you want to be strong for your children, for yourself, you need to be able to create a little space to go for a little walk. Obviously, all with the right guidelines and directions that we're told. So, absolutely, do not feel guilty. Feel proud. This is the challenge we're in. It's unnatural circumstances. Children usually go to school, out of the home. They're now with you. That's how God wants it for now. And there's nothing wrong to have that ability. And I would say, even when they're not asleep, as I said, nothing wrong to have your own time or have time with your spouse. And do what you need to do. We, we have to be strong in order to be there for our children. You can't be completely selfless and give up and compromise your own health and your own sense of self. That usually backfires. Okay, good. Glad I've got that question to play. A second question this person asked. Can, I have a second question. Can you please comment on the recent tesedus of Ardus among Shluchim? So let me translate the recent inspiration, the recent awakening of unity among shluchim. So yes, in the last week, unfortunately due to a loss of a young shliach in Hanover, Germany, Rabbi Binyam and Wolf, God should protect us all, protect his family. So it, did, it was a shake-up among all the other shake-ups we've had in the past few months. We've become already so uh, unfortunately used to sad news, and hopefully it's all over with. So whenever there's a Yisraelis in general, no matter how, let's say, you, skeptical you may be, we have to always respect and always hope for the best. That when there's a Yisraelis, people feel they need to come united, give more, give more tzedakah, or do other good deeds. Absolutely, we have to support that. At the same time, as many people have told me, let's see how long it holds. And I told them right away, I said, listen, I, I don't know, I, I have a good share of my own, I always know my own skepticism. But it's not a time to be skeptical, it's a time to believe in people. It's a time to expect that people live up to what they're promising. It's a time to really say, you know what, maybe we can be the best possible people. Because if not now, when? So my sincere hope is that they do act. Why I had to take this is that's how life is. And they act on it and actually create an unprecedented Ardus. And the Rebbe made it very clear that Ardus and unity will lead us to Mashiach. The words of the Tzamech Tzedek, the unity of Chassidim will lead them to Mashiach. And the Rebbe wrote in very sharp and strong notes saying that if there was Ardus, Avis Yisrael and Ardus Yisrael, we would have long ago had Mashiach in Gula. So if not, now when? 
So my hope, sincere hope and prayer, and I would do anything to help along, is to encourage this type of actors. Yes, can you play devil's advocate? I don't even know if that's the right Jewish word, especially in Chassidus applied. And start saying, one second, let's see what will happen. And uh, is everyone nice actors until it comes to their own pupik, as they say, to their own personal... Of course you can take that attitude, but that's not the attitude we should take. We should say, fine, actors, absolutely. Go for it. What can I do to help? That would be my approach. And I hope that it, will, it does bear fruit and, we, and yields a situation where there's more unity, and not just among Siddim, among Jews in general, and among the world in general. This is the time. We're all in it together. The pandemic knows no discrimination of different denominations and different peoples and also different Siddim. So now is the time. And Agdus we know brings When children are together, the Father, God, Brings, brings blessings. Sholem brings is the key to all blessings. That's my response to that. Next question. Let me just keep a seder here. There's so many questions I have to tell you. <laughs> and from everywhere. Some people actually have signed. I mean, literally from everywhere in the world. I have here from Scotland, from New Zealand, from Australia, from places in Asia. Some people don't sign, but some people have actually written where they are. So it's an honor to be able to unite together on a global level like this be able to answer questions. And again, I encourage you, please, submit your questions. This is the time to ask. This is the time to try to answer. Give each other strength. This is why we're here, to unite in together, Ardus, and try to give each other chizuk. Each one of us. That's what synergy is all about. Okay. Let's move now to a topic, as I mentioned before, post-synagogue Judaism. Now, obviously, that's a question mark. It really is a challenge to our entire religious structures and infrastructures this time. Now we need to dig deeper and say, what is your relationship with God? Is it based on your comfort zone to go to a kiddush club or to a minion, to daven or to a shul, to the social part of it? I've asked many people who said, I can't deal without a minion. I said, do you want a minion because that's your comfort zone? Or that's your habit and ritual? Because God wants you to do that. If God wants you, now he wants you to be home. If you're doing it for God. So this is really actually a test of what we're made of in our relationship with God. So the question has been asked, a few number of questions in that vein, is the following. Can the current upheaval bring us to discover a new perspective on God and Torah? The answer is absolutely yes. Like it isn't anything in life. When you have something and you take it for granted, you don't really know how well much you appreciate it. Maybe it's because, like I said, it's your comfort zone, it's your routine, it's your habits, your ritual. Like anything, we have, we have our routines, our patterns. When, you're t- when it's taken away from us, even for a short period of time, then you really see what are you made of. How much you're ready to fight for it. How will you? Is it only because of your comfort zone? So now we're in this situation. How are we going to worship God when we don't have a house of worship? Is Hashem a God only exists in a synagogue? Obviously not. So let me share a little what I've said, and if you want, you can just cross-reference. Go to um, our site and find, look for post-synagogue Judaism. That's the title of the talk I gave earlier this week. But I want to touch upon a few key points. There's a psukim, very harsh, I don't even want to repeat them, verses that we say that are in the book of Yeshaya. The first chapter of Yeshaya and the last chapter. The first chapter we say in the Haftarah before Tishabov, Shabbos Chazen, Chazen Yeshaya. The second one, the end of Yeshaya, we actually said last Shabbos, Rish Chedesh. The gist of it is God is speaking, the prophet is speaking the name of God and God is saying, I'm paraphrasing. What do I, I don't need your The heaven is my throne. And the earth is my step stool. I don't need your for me to dwell in. I don't need your offerings. I don't need your prayers. Because if you don't have compassion and kindness to the widow and to the orphan all this is hollow and even uses a word your hands are filled with blood I'm not looking for hypocrisy I don't need lip service 
And it's really a, um, a prelude to what would happen. The Beis Amidash would be destroyed because of that. The Ebrister needs a Beis Amidash. The whole thing is that the vine rests in you and among us. That you're a more refined person. That you're a kinder person. So a few months ago, this was not a topic. I mean, maybe it was a topic by a few, but most people wouldn't even ask that question. I have my shul. Yeah, it was like oh, it was a given. It was it was like automatic pilot. Everyone has their shul, and everyone has their kiddush, and everyone has their group. The people I'm going to see, things I'm going to talk about in shul. It's part of our routines. I don't want to compare it, but lahavdan like just like I go to work through the weekday shops, and some people waited for shabbos. It was their escape. Say the lachaim, fabring, and so on. That has been now paused. So we can say, hey, I've lost my coordinates. I've lost my connection. Come these, these, two, these two chapters in Yeshayah and say, no, 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 you haven't lost anything. You think I want your building? You think I want your lip service? You think I want, says, spreading your hands, God says? I want your heart. I want your soul. I want you to be committed to me. Not to a structure. Not to a ritual. Not to mitzvah sanoshim alamoda. Mechanical Judaism. It's very harsh, those words there. Very harsh. Because you could argue, one second, at least I'm doing it. Maybe automatic pilot, maybe it's uh, lip service, better than nothing. So there are mitzvahs, yes, even if you do it without any kavan, or even you have an attention, that's again, mitzvah zdok is an example. Charity doesn't need a kavan. Even if you're not intending to give and it helps somebody, you lost a, you lost a seller. Someone loses a, a coin. And a pauper finds it. So even if you, and you don't know that, even if you knew that someone found that and you say, I was not miyayish, I did not give up, I would want it back because he was helped, even though your intention was not to give it, and actually, as a matter of fact, if you'd known you would want it back, you still get the mitzvah because the person was helped. But then there are, pra- there are mitzvahs that, no, that need kavon. Tefillah, boy, kavon. There are mitzvahs that, need, that must have kavon. Some of them lead kuva. Some of them it's optional. Some it improves. Like even with Zdaka, if you have a good intention, you smile to the person. Hamafaisa, you say kind words. That, of course, is much a higher level of charity. But there's still Zdaka without it. When it comes to things like a carbon, if you don't have the right intention, the carbon is puzzle. It's uh, disqualified. Davening, Tefillah Belay Kavan is like a Guf Belay Neshama. A body without a soul, a corpse. Balshemtav once went into a Kemta city. He's looking for a minion. He says, where can I daven? They pointed to the shul. He went to the shul. Comes running out a minute later. It's too packed. Can't daven there. They said, packed? That shul is never packed. The fellow goes into the shul. He sees it's not packed. He says, what do you, what do you mean it's packed? He says, the Balshemtav quoted the Zoyar that cited in Tanya. Tefillah. A prayer. In order for it to rise to heaven, it needs wings. Leparcha le'ela. It will not soar to heaven without wings. What's the wings? The right wing is Ava, the left wing is Yira. Love and awe of God. If you just say words, the prayers were like grounded birds. It was so stuffed in the shul because the prayers were not going up. So the Bashamta couldn't dive. Now, as we're challenged, and all these security blankets of our religious lives, I'm not talking about job and entertainment and other uh, rituals, other institutions. Those, you could say, they're mat- the material ones. What about our religious institutions? Our schools, our yeshivas? So the answer is very simple. God is here with you at home. He's here with you in Zoom. He's here wherever you are, if you allow him in, as the Kotzke Rebbe said. Where is God? He was asked, where is Hashem? He says, wherever you let him in. Eineid milvadeh, malekolot kvedeh, les asad ponimineh. There's no place where there is no godliness. So then what do we need a shul in the first place? Or Beis HaMikdash? Because Elam Hazar, this material world, the divine is concealed, there are places on earth where there are less layers, there are less veils. And it's HaKadosh. Why is it holier than the United States? Because there are less veils. Heaven and earth, it's easier for them to connect. In Eretz HaKadosh itself, Yerushalayim in HaKadosh, Yerushalayim. In Yerushalayim itself, in the Harabayis. In the Harabai is the Beis Amidah Shashlishi, in the Beis Amidah Kedush Kadoshim, the Holy of Holies. Do you think God is more in Yom Kippur in the Holy of Holies for a high priest than it is for us in the middle of a Sunday? 
no special particular day? Of course not. The God is Hashem Echad. But from our perspective, there are less veils. That's what makes a Dover Kaddish a Dover Kaddish. Godliness is everywhere. But it can be concealed. Or it can be even distorted in our, from our perspective. But from God's perspective, you can access Hashem. It takes, it's maybe harder. It takes more Aveda to make your house a Migdash Ma'at. To daven, let's say, without a minion. To connect without the crutches, the religious structures that we're always accustomed to. So is this an opportunity? Of course it's an unprecedented opportunity because we would never have done this. Why would one do this? When, we're, when we have our rituals, we have our reliable institutions, our synagogues, our rabbis, and all the events that happened there. It was excellent. And I'm not taking away. I wish we all had it. But now we can really appreciate because when you don't have that, you have forced to... What's your relationship with God? Is it based purely on going and walking to shul? Or a kiddush club? So now we have an opportunity that's unprecedented. Yes, a new perspective on God, on Teda, on Avis Yisrael. Because we're now seeing it in its naked truth. Without the, the structures, without the crutches. Mitzvah Sanoshim Alamada means mechanical mitzvahs. It's easy. It's mechanical. It's part of your ritual. Lip service. Now the lesson is, no, no lip service, no mechanical, no just automatic. We have to appreciate everything. We have to appreciate every breath we take, let alone appreciate the Yiddishkeit. That's what we have now an opportunity to do for ourselves and for our children. Dig deeper and say, what is my relationship with God? What is the, really the role of a shul in the first place? What is the role of a rabbi? These are roles, these are all about connecting to the Eibishter. It's not just... Oh, everyone has their comfort zone. This one goes to a country club. This one goes to the beach. You go to shul, l'havda. No. It's a place to commune. It's a place to connect, to marry heaven and earth. And now we have an opportunity to do so like never before. Like never before, I reiterate. So with that, let's go to a few related questions. They're all in this uh, genre, in this family. Can we learn anything from God hiding his face from Moshe about our need to hide our face today behind masks? So I'm going to put it in this context. The writer writes, During Matan Teda, Moshe Rabbeinu asked God to see his face and God refused. Let me just correct. It wasn't during Matan Teda. It was when, God, when Moshe was praying for the Jewish people after the building of the golden calf for forgiveness. But it's not relevant to the question. The reason was because there was a certain holiness of a face, especially God's face. And nobody can see it and remain alive. That's the Russian. It doesn't say holiness of a face. I think you're also maybe confusing it a bit with Moshe after he came down from Har Sinai the second time, most opinions, he had to cover his face with a masva because the glow was so strong. It could be you're mixing the two. But they're both related to the idea. So nobody can see and remain alive. What exactly is the holiness of a face? And what connection do we have to this story in our times when we have to hide our faces with masks due to the virus? Okay, so first of all, let's just uh, put it in context. There's, there's, a, there's hiding, there's covering a face and there's covering a face. To cover a face for technical reasons, not to spread uh, an infection, is not the same as God, not, you can't see my face, or Moshe covering his face. That was because of the great power. Now we're covering it to protect from the toxins. Protect ourselves, protect others. But yet everything is a lesson. As I said before, when we're deprived of something, it also teaches us to dig deeper. So I will agree and acknowledge that the covering of face can also teach us something. It's not this week's Pasha, Pasha Kisisa. But the story is, and I'll bring both stories. Hashem says, you cannot see my face and live. Because to see God's face means to see God's essence you can't be you and see God's essence. When we have a tzir of Gedusha, that's the language we use. When your connection to God is through a tzir, a structure, a definition, you're not getting the essence of God. You're getting God as he manifests in a shul, in a minion, in other ways. What did the Baal Tareb, however, say? Mili I don't want your Ganeid and your Shemaim. What do I need? Your Shemaim, your heaven. Ganeid, not Tachten. I don't need your Ganeid. I don't want, I should say. I don't want your lower Ganeid. I don't want your higher Ganeid. These are great levels, Ganeid. 
Hellion. I don't want you Elam Habo. Ich will dich allein. I want you alone. Imcha, lechafasi, nothing but you. The Tzemach Sadiq brings in the Sheresh Mr. Zatfila, the Rebbe Kochs, the Chalad in this. Anonisiv Malko. I don't want your messengers. I don't want your ministers. I don't want the, your, your stations, your glory. I want you. That's only possible when the structures are not there. That's why the Baal the famous Moshal, Antfila La'oni. Lifnei Hashem Yishpech Sichi. I pour out my siya, my, my words to Hashem. So the Baal Shem says, why oni? Why like a pauper? Pray like a, like a wealthy, prosperous person. And he gives a famous marshal, Bikitzer, Nimrits, very briefly. Two people were invited to see the great king, a wealthy, literate, educated person. Another was a pauper, illiterate. The educated Chochem came, he sees a palace he never saw before. The beauty, the architecture. The, the paintings, the art, the music, the literature. Because he appreciated it all, he gets so distracted and seduced by it, he misses his appointment. Comes the pauper, doesn't appreciate, he's illiterate, he doesn't know any of this. Walks through all the chambers, goes right into the antechamber, to the inner chamber of the king, and asks for everything he wants. Including appreciating all the giluim, all these revelations. Says the Baal Shem to suspend. It's not advocating illiteracy, God forbid. Suspend your literacy if you want a connection. The pshitus of a ish posha, the simplicity, innocence of a simple person, touches the essence of the divine, which is also beyond structure. The Alter Rebbe explains midbar, midbar. We're going to be reading it soon, right before Shavuos. Bamidbar. Bamidbar, on one hand, is a desolate place. It's a wilderness. Mokim shalayoshavadam sham. It's a place where human beings don't live. It's not civilized. It's, it's barren. It's arid. There's no water. There's no sustenance. It's not, a, it's not conducive to human civilization. But then the Alter Rebbe says, Midbar also comes, It's higher than the structure of Adam. So Chassidus always talks about the negative and then it's rooted in the positive. Beyond structure. There's beneath structure and there's beyond structure. So the same thing you can say about covering of a face. Covering a face is only because of the toxins, because of the infection. But there's also telling us maybe we should look beyond that which we can't see, the concealed. That in the concealment, there's a deeper connection. So when Hashem said, you can't see my face and live, because my face is my essence. You want my essence, you have to not look. You can't come with your regular tools. You have to suspend your tools. You have to suspend your seer, your your structure, your definition of what God is. And then you can let God in. Moshe's face too, he had to cover because of the intensity. Not because of the negative, because of a positive. So in that sense, yes. So now we have another question that was asked. Um, in a recent panel discussion on recovery, Rabbi Jacobson floated the concept of a God whom we love to serve as opposed to the all too common view of a punishing almighty. Rabbi Jacobson stated that man's relationship with God is such that one prays not because one will, un- will, will be unsuccessful if one does not pray, but because man loves to connect with Hashem. Please teach us how to have a relationship with Hashem where one cannot wait to daven or do any, any mitzvah rather than are doing His will because a mountain is held up on top of our heads. Thank you for showing us the way. Exactly. What does the Gemara say in Shabbos? It's connected to Matan Teda coming up in a few weeks. That when by Matan Teda, it says, They still had to complain to Jewish people because God took the Mount Sinai, and he held it over their head like a canopy and said, if you receive the Teda, fine, if not, I will... So you could say they were compelled. Comes Purim, Kimu Kibla Yehudim. Now they sustain it because now it did not come compelled. They wanted it. When we have synagogues open, when we have minyanim, when we have schools, when we have our regular Jewish routines, it's very nice. But you could argue that it's the crutch. That is that structure. 
When you're suddenly stranded, you don't have any of that, then you can recognize what do you really want. You're not being compelled by your rituals. What do you want when you don't have all that structure? So now when a person serves, it's coming from the heart. That's the response. And it's all connected to everything we're speaking about now. Okay. So, with that, let me segue into another question that is related to this. How do we know that Hashem is perfect? We are taught that Hashem is perfect. How do we know this? We have seen mistakes that Hashem has made, such as the Shvidas HaKelim incident, talking about the shattering of the containers in Tayu. And there are places where Hashem alludes that He made a mistake by creating a Yetzirah. He says, there are four, three or four things Hashem mischaret aleim. He regrets. One of them is the Yetzirah. In these cases, although he might be a decent God, but he's not perfect. Okay, I read it exactly as it was written. The writer, the questioner, and I'm speaking to you, I hope you're listening, is misreading these statements. First of all, it doesn't say God made a mistake. It says he regrets creating the... the Shvita Sarkem doesn't say it was a mistake. Perhaps that was the intention. Seisar amnas livnes, livnes amnas, boyna amnas lister, and seisar amnas livnes. He built in order for it to be shattered. Who set it up that it should be shattered? It wasn't a mistake. That was the way God intended. That the energy should be very intense. The container should be very fragile. And there should be a tension and, and, and a, a collision. And there's a purpose in it. Just like the intention of the tzimtzum. Why did God make a tzimtzum? Even though we say tzimtzum is hepechakamon. It's not God's intention. The intention is the gili. It's hepecharotzen. But that is the contention. He wanted to have a concealment in order to bring out a bigger revelation. So it's true. It's not an end in itself. But it's all part of the plan. So to say it's a mistake is absolutely incorrect. God is perfect. But perfection doesn't, is not a way we always understand it. We think perfection is some type of destination. You know, we do work and then we retire and we, and we live on a, on a beachfront property. That's the perfection. I reached a goal. In godliness, perfection is not defined by structure as we've been talking. Perfection is an endless journey. An infinite journey. Perfection includes, he wants to have a universe, tachtenim, and wants to have a didabat tachtenim. You want a perfect world? Go to Atsilas. Go to Ganeidin. Atsilas is a perfect world. But that's not what God, we're talking about perfection, balance. He wants an imbalanced world, a hostile world, a world like ours, where there's divine concealment, there are challenges, illnesses, and we should recognize the divine even in this world. That's ultimate perfection. Because if it's just perfect, God, of course, He can create perfection. What does He need it for? Just to have puppets play out a perfect choreography, a perfect narrative? He wants a narrative where there's a partnership with human beings. And that partnership has risk, because people can choose to not follow the script. And that could choose, they did choose. And yet God wants this relationship. This is obviously a far larger topic, and I don't want to go into it in detail, but I'm just addressing. <clears throat> so the same thing, explaining, why did God create the Yetzirah if he regrets it? That's exactly what he wants. He wants a Yetzirah, and he wants to regret creating the Yetzirah. Like it says at the end of Bereshis, Nechamtim Asherisisim, created a world with a purpose, People began to sin, and then God says, I regret creating it. But he didn't know what would happen. He didn't create the serpent. He didn't create the Yetzirah. He didn't know corruption would follow. But that's part of it, that God says, these are the things I want, and these are the things I put into play. I don't want them. I want the benefit that will come out of them. So the regret is part of the process. I'm regretting, meaning I want them to ultimately be destroyed, so in order to bring out something bigger, toyu, the Shvira Sarkalim is in order to bring out a better and more balanced harmonic world like Tikkun. Golos, in order to bring Gaula. So when you work on your own and, you're, and, and the divine is concealed and you do it through your initiative, like Purim, your initiative, like Pesach Sheni, like Shvira Sarkalim, then there's a revelation that cannot be achieved, Kav so to speak, from above. Because any energy from above means it's not us, it's God. You want the true person? In a way, you have to be stripped by all those energies. And in our day and age, that's exactly what's happening. That's why there's a new appreciation. We can have a new appreciation, a new perspective on God and Tera. But most people said, okay, is there a God? Of course there's a God. 
But then when you're challenged, there's a holocaust. Or there's another concealment and people say, one second, where's God in all of this? And then they have to find God even when it's not comfortable. Then you find the true God. Because till now it's the God that you're comfortable with. The God that fits into your plans. A few months ago we all had our plans. Pesach plans, summer plans, even holy plans. That's a God that fits him. Then suddenly it's all disrupted and now it's God's in control. Can you handle that? That's when you have to discover a new God, a new view on God. That it's not always going to be in your terms. And that connection is far deeper because then you're submitting, you're surrendering to a God that's greater than you are. Not just a God when everything is going well. Very easy to thank God when everything is going well. The fact is we actually take it for granted. It's harder and now it's much more real because it's not coming with any gilui. It's coming because it's coming from our initiative. Okay. As I said, again, this is being brief. There's a lot to cover, so I'm moving along here. Let's see, where are we? How do we change habits based on life circumstances according to Chassidus? Well, again, this flows straight from our discussion here. looking for bear with me please let me just just bear with me oh here we are okay how do we change habits based on life circumstances according to Chassidus well here we are we've spoken about this when things are regular and everything is going smoothly it's beautiful blessings but it doesn't force us to break out of our habits, even good habits. The Alter Rebbe in Tanya, Perik Tezvav, has a tremendous chapter. said that a person serve God doesn't mean just you're doing what God wants. It's not just that you're doing things. Because if it's a routine, it's not a void, it's not effort. The Gemara in Menachah says that when they studied in the times of the Talmud, they would review their learning, Shein Epirke, Mea Pamim, a hundred times. It's not called Aveda. Because that was the custom. That's your ritual. That's your habit. Ah, you're, you're learning Taylor. We're not talking about you're doing something, God forbid. Learning Taylor a hundred times. Who does that? But it's your custom. The 101, the 101st time, one more time over the hundred, that weighs, outweighs all the hundred. Even though you can't have 101 without a hundred. Because you've shifted. You've gone out of your comfort zone. Ahazaza, you made a move. When, we're dis- when lives are disrupted, when schedules are disrupted, and even our Gedusha is disrupted. This is important. I keep pointing out. Hedegel of Gedusha is disrupted. Our customs, our rituals, our plans, and so on. People can't daven with a minion. They can't say Kaddish properly. They can't even sit Shiva properly. Rahman al-Islam. properly. So it seems like, well, you know what? Well, what kind of Zayda is that? No, that doesn't mean you can't do it. You have to do it now in a creative way, in a way that you were not accustomed. And then that's ultimate truly ave- true Aveda. So you're asking, how do we change habits? Unfortunately, it's very hard. Many people can't just change it without being compelled to do so. If someone came to you a few months ago and said, you know what? I want you to stay home and not go to shul because I want you to daven Tashem with your real heart. You say, what are you crazy? Why wouldn't I go to shul? Or some other disruption. No one asked for this. But now that we're here, we dig deeper and we say, I'm not going to do it by ritual. Now my children are home with us. School online. Let's learn in a new way. Pesach. In many of my discussions and programs right before Pesach, I said, let's do Pesach in an unprecedented way, like never before in 3,332 years since Passover, the first exodus from Egypt. Let's do it in a new way where we're compelled to stay home, not with large groups, either alone or very immediate family. Same thing right now, every Shabbos, every Yom Tif, as long as we're in this Matzav. We want to get out of it, but as long as we're there, we can demonstrate true Aveda that's outside of habits. Now you'll say, how do we change habits when things are going well? That's much more challenging. There, you see that with Kabbalah sale, you just simply accept yourself, I'm going to not do something, I'm going to do something differently. Or it's through just a, a, a driven commitment to a relentless pursuit of excellence. 
Some people can do it. It's easier, frankly, when you're compelled to do it. When the olive is pressed, it releases oil. The Fedeber Hashab said it's difficult to say this, even on the Al Tadeb. But that when he came out of Petersburg, when he came out of prison, the real oil started coming out. Now, the oil couldn't come out before the Al Tadeb. But even on the Al Tadeb, the Rebbe Rashab said it, even though he said it's difficult to say. So we see the way God created us, pressure creates growth. As they were oppressed, they thrived and they flourished. Now, we want it to be without oppression or the minimal aggravation. But that's the nature. So I would say, take on new behaviors before you're forced to do it. That's the key. The Rebbe once explained the Zohar, Tereir quotes it, that when the Jews were in Egypt, it says they were hard labor, with bricks and mortar. They were forced to, the Chumash B'Rish talks about it at length, how they were forced to make bricks out of hay, and then they were, hay wasn't given to them. It was like torture. Says the Zoyar, a bizarre Zoyar. Which is a way of learning from a more lenient case to a more harsher case. Levenim, which is mortar, means libun, comes from the word libun, crystallization of an idea of a halacha. What's the connection? What's time to play of words? Said the Rebbe something so powerful. He says, everyone needs to work hard in life. Exertion. Adam the person was created to work hard. It's your choice, what kind of hard work. Is it going to be an exertion in Teda? Karachemer and Libun Hilchas is struggling in Teda? So then God will not send you hard labor, physical hard labor. However, if you're not going to exert yourself in a holy way and break through your habits in a holy way, unfortunately at times... God can send you true chemer levain, real slave labor, the real tedious and overwhelming type of work. So that's how we break out of habits. Let's see here. Well, I really always hope to be able to cover more. Wanted to talk about Mashiach and the coronavirus. I guess we'll have to do that next time. I'll just bring one more question. How can, how, to be, how can we be a rock for someone when you yourself are crumbling? Very good question. We're dealing with this situation all the time. We're at home. We have family members. Those of us that are working in the medical community, sometimes you're falling apart, but you have to be there for others. So here, I don't have a quick answer. I'll just share from the heart. When you know that your mission in life was not to serve yourself, but to serve God, which is the whole concept of shlichus. Well, let's use the Rebbe's language. You were sent to this world as a shliach, a messenger, an ambassador from heaven. You didn't come here to have fun. You didn't come here to have your own agendas, to make money, enjoy yourself. You can enjoy, fine, but you came for a purpose. The Baal Shem Tev says, perhaps a neshama comes down just to do a favor for a Jew, live 70, 80 years, wears and tears, as the song goes. Matatzach in this world to do a favor. So we have a mission. When you're mission driven, it changes a lot because you're right now in the middle of a war and you have to fight the battle. You can't say, listen, I'm crumbling. Obviously you need to have your respite and your moments. But you can't say, if I don't have the strength of it, how can I help others? That's when there's a sense of urgency. We're now in a state of life and death. And I don't just mean that literally. It's also psychologically and emotionally. Those of us that have the strength have to rise to the occasion. Now, I'm not judging anyone. If someone says, I just don't have the kayach. But if you feel you're a public servant, whether you're working at Salah, or whether you're a rabbi, or whether you're a teacher, or a spiritual mentor, this is the time when you need to rise. There's no time for rest now. Obviously, take care of yourself. So if that commitment is what carries us over, so how do you become a rock? It's not about you. You're relying on kayachas, higher kayachas. You commit to being God's servant, in this case, this shliach, this shlichus, God gives you keiches. Nesun la yoyev keich. Kavi Hashem achlifu keich, it says. We pray to God, yachlifu keich. I will give you my exhaustion, you give me your energy. When you commit to God, God will give you the energy to do what you have to do.
That is the most direct answer. Are there methods? Yes, there are methods. As I said, always take care of yourself because if you just fall from exhaustion, you're not going to be able to help anybody. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first before on someone else. But we are servants and we have to rise to the occasion. Should you have a need to take a break, absolutely do so because you cannot allow yourself to overwhelm yourself and break down. Let someone fill in for you. But it's a break. So it's difficult, but when you're in that type of commitment mode, you're protecting your family and your children and other families and children. That's what, that's what war is about. We're on the front lines. Now the war, thank God, is not a bloody war like World War I and World War II. It's a different type of war. It's a war with an illness. It's a war with people's morale, their, weak, their fears, their uncertainties. We can do it. When you're tied above, you don't fall below because you're getting strength from a higher place. But you have to make yourself a keli to that. You can't think, I'm a superman, I can do whatever. That, no, you're God's humble servant. Accept that, then you're a keli, then you're a container, and things flow in. You absorb. If you're filled with yourself, you're not going to be able to absorb greater strengths. Okay. Now, there are more questions, and I, uh, there are, and what can I tell you? I'm going to conclude with something uh, a little unusual. But I just is coming from my heart with all that's going on. And that is somebody writes the following. I would come to your classes in New York City a while back. And I remember once after 9-11, you began your class and you said there are sometimes no words. No words. And what you did was you proceeded to sing a nigan, a song. And that song changed my life. That's what someone's writing. Would you mind singing a nigan? Because there, as you said then, that sometimes words cannot do what a song can do. And the Alter Rebbe actually said that. that. When you have a question is asked, you don't have an answer, tell a story. And if that doesn't work, sing a nigan. So I'm going to comply. And, uh, and I hope, with your permission, and just a nigan I happen to, times like this, I believe it's also a very therapeutic and very healthy because a nigan can transport you to another time and place. It's those wings I talked about. It, that's why davening with a nigan. It takes you out of your own structure. A song, Kulmas Halev, is the quill of the heart and the soul, and can express feelings that are quite not, not quite captured in definitions. And at times like this, it's very healthy, it's very healing, to just be able to sit with yourself, with your family, and sing a nigan, sing a song. Because it can really lift you up. It's hard to describe how, but it does lift you up and gives a little strength, a little extra push, a little extra boost in these uncertain and trying times. So this is a nigan that the Rebbe taught. I believe it was Tavshin Chav Gimel, 1962. Stav Yapitu. in Ukrainian. I'll translate it afterwards. Istavia pitu 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 Treba, treba, znati, jak brechati. Oj, jechesz, bojen zedek, oj, dawati. Pred panom, chazienom, odwetrzati. Ami piem da piem da mi goyayim un mir trinken yayin azei vimayim un mir zogin ale zusammen lechayim viatot ishma 
מן השמיים. וסתיו יפיתו פיית ניצו ופיית צובותו פרבו יאיה פרבו צבאיו רבותו תרבה תרבה זנתי יגו יתי תרבה תרבה זנתי יג בריכתי אוי יחש בוי אין צדק אוי ידבתי פרד פנום חזיה ינום עד ועד שעתי עמי ביים דביים דמי גויים ומטרינקן יין עזב ומים ומזוגן עלץ זמן לחיים ועתו תשמע מן השמיים I'll translate this next week. Everyone have a very healthy and strong and powerful week. Be well. Be strong. Hashem will protect us all. Let's make a keli do our part in giving strength to each other. This has been My Life Because It Is Supplied, episode 307, every Sunday, 8 to 9 p.m. Zayt ala gizunt, and be well. Use Pesach Sheni well, Emer well. And we should be finally zeichet to the Geula Hamitis Vashlema. This program is brought to you by My Life, Hasidus Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at hasidusapplied.com slash donate.